Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Uh, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, this is a big episode this week. We're opening the season five finale, The Gift. Uh, I am your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. Uh, we have a special guest this week, uh, Kelly uh, Gredner, who is on the Nevers podcast with me and also on the Spinsters of Horror. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hello. Yes, I I am on the Nevers podcast with Dennis, and it's been wonderful to meet all of those new people and be able to share my love for Joss Whedon work. Uh, briefly mentioned, so Spinsters of Horror is another mm-hmm. podcast and overall project that I have. It's strictly horror-based. So the podcast is once a month. It's called I Spit on Your Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love a play on words. <laughs> Uh, and it's like a semi-academic uh, with mixture of banter, feminist themes and stuff like that. So we talk about horror movies and other mediums with thoughtful analysis, research and passion. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And you do so kind of theme months. And um, I listened to the one, the, the the Italian theme month and that was great. Uh, always Thank you. a fan of people talking giallo. Right. You know, that episode really blew up and... On SoundCloud, it actually has, I think now, about 1,100 listens, which is vastly more than the rest of our episodes. Most of ours are really around the 300, 350 mark, but Italian horror fans are intense. We definitely learned that that month, (laughs) but it was really fun. Cool. And um, how familiar would you say you are with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I'm incredibly familiar with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I started watching Buffy in 1997 when Welcome to the Hellmouth aired on TV on the WB. So I've been watching the show over and over and over for many, many years. However many years that is, 20, 20 plus years. (laughs) So very familiar. Love it. And I love talking about it at any chance I get. So this is wonderful. Thank you for having me again. Awesome. You are in the right place right now to talk about it. <laughs> can, can I ask you what your favorite season is, if you have a favorite season? Yep. My favorite season is two with a follow-up of seven, but two is Whoa. my favorite. We'll definitely have you back on season seven to explain that. <laughs> hey, no problem. Hey. <laughs> well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get interesting in season seven. I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's a good opportunity for, why don't you, the rest of you introduce yourselves with how quickly you would climb up a hastily constructed tower built by mental patients. <laughs> uh, my name is John Landis and, uh, I do enjoy a bit of recreational trespassing from time to time. So I, I think I'd, uh, shimmy on up there. <laughs> uh, my name is Travis and I haven't done a whole lot of, um, abandoned building exploration but in sunnydale i think i would definitely do that so yeah i'd probably run up there just as fast as john (laughs) 
my name is Michael. I've only seen Buffy up to season five, The Gift. So the last episode of season five. And why not? Yeah, I mean, I think if uh, someone would uh, cast a spell to make sure I don't fall off. Yeah, we totally <laughs> get up the tower. <laughs> do you want me to answer this question as well? Sure. Uh, I definitely would do a, a spike move where I just jump from a tall height on top of everyone, clear it out, and then run up the stairs. <laughs> nice. And I would fall on the first floor. <laughs> uh, so we're going to jump into the gift, but first we're going to do reactions for season five, episode 15, I Was Made to Love You. Audience reactions. Uh and John, since I think you and Silver Spike are having some good uh, repartee these days, why don't you read uh, Silver Spikes? Uh, so Silver Spike says, uh, quotes me as saying, put that in your internet and smoke it. <laughs> oh, thanks, Oscar Wilde. Lol. <laughs> nice to see you recognize your limitations. Smiley face. Joyce's body lying on the couch still hasn't lost its emotional impact, even after <sighs> all this time. That is uh, true. Something we definitely agree on yep. there. Yep. Also in that uh, I am like Oscar Wilde. That is another thing that we agree on. <laughs> <laughs> I see no sarcasm in that comment. Uh, Anana Mouse says, uh, Michael made the good advice prediction in season three. Uh, he was probably thinking about adults giving teenage Buffy good advice. Now that Buffy is herself an adult, I think adult should be taken to mean an authority figure or someone significantly older than Buffy. Characters like Spike and Anya shouldn't count because they look and act like contemporaries. Um, Cause yeah, in uh, uh, episode 15, we got into an old argument. Thanks to David Yoder about an old prediction that we don't care about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and Sagov nine um, says, uh, I think it, I, I find it hard to believe uh, Buffy didn't get any good advice between season three and fool for love. Although I don't have a counter example from the top of my head. Anyway, the summer summary was hilarious again. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I did the summary this that time, and I'm very proud of it. Although uh, John helped me with the editing. Teamwork. Uh, and over on Twitter, um, at Ren and Oz says, um, my stomach just tightened at the mere thought of the final scene. Um, for real, for real. Um, and uh, at Dingo Action responded to uh, the, re the uh, recommendations for that week and said, I'd like to suggest a rec, Weird Science, 1985. Virginal nerds use tech to create a sexy AI and she gets out of their control, um, which I was like, yeah, good wreck. I didn't think of that one, uh, but that's always a fun movie. Um, and then we got an email from uh, Danu uh, who comments, uh, still enjoy listening to you guys so much. Love Michael's painstakingly close but no cigar predictions. I've always thought he should be getting an A just for getting over 50%. Uh, he's mostly correct out of the infinite possibilities. <laughs> he's winning. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. It's really helpful, especially going into predictions where I feel like they're literally trying to shut me down, Danu. They're trying to prove me wrong. <laughs> it's I only, always, only two I thirds have, of the only two thirds of the tribunal is trying to shut Mike down. I'm I'm still fighting for the everyman here. I have always <laughs> argued we shouldn't be using an American grade system, but the guy running this is a teacher, so of course we're using an American grade system. Because I agree, I think over 50% is amazing. <laughs> um, Alright, uh, let's jump in with a summary for The Gift. The Summary 
In the gift, minions prepare to ritually sacrifice Dawn to open a portal so Glory can go home, unless the Scooby Gang can stop her. The Buffy Bot provides enough of a distraction for the real Buffy to smash Glory with the troll hammer and a wrecking ball and that hammer again, reverting Glory to her weakling Ben form that Giles calmly suffocates to death. The creepy doc releases Dawn's blood from her body, starting the ritual, and Buffy finally realizes the true meaning of the First Slayer's words, death is your gift, and she sacrifices herself to close the portal, saving Dawn and the world again. Uh, okay, thank you for that. Uh, let's move on to Great Lines. Great Lines. Um, I liked um, Anya said uh, when the, in the magic shop, they're talking about fighting glory. She says, hmm. you want to fight a god, use the hammer of a god. And Buffy's <laughs> like, thank you. Anya's like, here to help. I want to live. She's so, <laughs> she's so transparent and like enthusiastic. It's amazing. Yep. She's always fantastic. She is. It's a danger for us to not just have pure Anya lines for the great lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have like great lines and then great Anya lines. It really should be a separate thing. Because Se yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, I, I chose two this week. Um, first, like an emotional one. Um, once Tara gets Tara's mind gets brought back, she says, I got so lost. And Will says, I found you. I will always find you. And that uh, is like uh, very touching. Um, and then I found uh, Glory finding out, Glory knocking uh, the Buffy bot's head off and going like, the Slayer's a robot. Did everybody else know the Slayer's a robot? <laughs> and Bo Buffy comes in, Glory, wham. Yeah. You're not the brightest god in the heavens, are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very solid. So is. Just like perfect punch, like drop the mic moment. I love it yeah. so much. <laughs> Uh, I think this line, I, so I watched this episode a few times, and uh, when uh, Xander says, what about Ben? He could be killed, right? I mean, I know he's innocent, but you know, not like Dawn innocent. <laughs> Kill a regular guy. And like, it's just so quiet. There's almost no reaction to that. And whew, yeah. that one's good. That was really fun on the second watch. <laughs> I enjoyed when uh, Will is trying to calm Buffy down. And she's like, don't have another coma, okay? Oh, that don't have so another is like yeah, super insensitive, but also a great version of if you know don't, don't have, have a cow, cow man, <laughs> don't have another yeah, coma. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, not uh, Willow's emotional intelligence is not super high. Just a big observation I'm having this uh, this this watch through. <laughs> she has her moments, but she's definitely the. Along with Xander, some good comedic relief in, in these intense moments. Just lighten the mood. It's like, yeah, shit is really intense right now. But, you know, let's have a laugh. Yeah. And let's I acknowledge enjoy. where we, we where we are in this yeah. weird world. Exactly. Sometimes Our leader just had a it. weird coma. <laughs> I know. I love that episode. Uh, so for me, uh, it was uh, one of the first scenes of the opening scene of the episode. So there's a boy... Uh, that's being taunted by a vampire and Buffy kicks his ass, stakes him. And he says to her, but you're just a girl. And she says, that's what I keep saying. I just, I love it because, you know, it's, it's essentially just what this entire show is about. You know, this, yeah. This facade of the final girl, the blonde bimbo who you couldn't possibly think 
to do what Buffy does and she does and she just subverts all of everyone's expectations. And and yeah, maybe she is just a girl, but she can do a lot of great work. Uh, And then not not the exact quote, but it's the Buffy's conversation with Giles in the um, the workroom, her fighting room, practice room, whatever that would be (laughs) Mm -hmm. called. The danger room. (laughs) (laughs) Just that, you know, that they've stopped all these apocalypses. She's killed Angel and there's all these things that she's done to help the world. But these are the decisions that she has to continuously make. Like, she doesn't want anything to do with this anymore. Like, why bother if those are the choices that she has to make and everything gets stripped away? It's very poignant. And, you know, she's like, after this, if we succeed, like, I'm done with it. And then, well, you know, we get to the ending of the episode. (sighs) Um, Boy. And then Buffy's entire monologue to Dawn that makes everyone weep a thousand tears. Every time. Every time. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love like the voiceovers on Buffy and like, but this one is a step above. Like it's a great, great like monologue of voiceover. It was. Yeah. <sighs> Excellent choices. All very emotional. Um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, before we get into weird notices and trivia, I will do the kill count. <clears throat> Excellent. Let's br- let's brighten the mood, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. The kill count. All right. Uh, one vampire, two minions, one reverse brain drain, one demon slash warlock slash old man, uh, one KO for Anya. One mighty long stunt fall for Spike. Uh, and in the Buffy versus Glory Smackdown, round seven goes to Glory with a robot decapitation and RIP the Buffy bot, maybe. And round eight, the final round, which I'm calling the Tower of Battle. Get it? Like the Tower of Battle, Babel? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, is a decisive and final victory for Buffy with a surprise fatality from, for a Gi- from Giles, bringing for the first time a god into the kill count. With one god, one more human by Giles, and one slayer self-sacrifice. <sighs> All right, guys. That's a lot. <laughs> Let's jump into it. Let's do weird noticings of trivia. Weird noticings. I, I just love the amazing recap for the first five seasons and like what what uh, they chose to highlight. In that in that recap, because there's only certain episodes you can highlight, but I think they did a pretty good job. But it's definitely when you watch that, you can think to yourself, <laughs> something really bad is going to happen. <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're recapping five seasons at once, something's happening. Yeah. 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 And this this was the finale, the series finale for the WB. So it really uh, started off with the like, this is where the show began. And. And let's. uh Let's review the whole series right now. Yeah, I've never enjoyed a previously on portion of a show before, but this one, mm. it's like really good. The dude that uh, Buffy saves at the beginning is a very Jonathan looking dude. Yes, um, that was a great observation. <laughs> you think Danny Strong just wasn't available? I, <laughs> I think, you know, she'll just always say she'll just always save a, a Danny Strong type. Um, she will. She will. And. And like Kelly talked about this a little in the uh, uh, great lines, but like, you know, this whole opening scene is so much like let's restate 
the like statement, the concept for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Let's yeah. bring it back to its like simplest form. Yeah. And like what it is. It's like the girl you don't expect to survive is actually like the the Bamf, right? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the vampire though in that scene, did anybody else get major like Patrick Warburton vibes off this guy? He I thought I had to check yeah. to make sure it wasn't Patrick Warburton. <laughs> Uh, That'd be great. If famously, it, if people don't know brought- who played Putty on uh, Seinfeld, and he was uh, the Tick. Um, but he uh, turns out this this actor is actually Tom Kesh. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Hmm. Um, who uh, was actually the tow truck driver in season two of Breaking Bad. So and he's on um, Angel, right? He's yeah, he's on Angel the- once. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's one of the heist demons in the Ocean's Eleven episode. <laughs> great. <laughs> I don't know who that actor was until you explained who he was. So thank you. <laughs> but he's yeah, a good heavy. He's a, you know, yeah. yeah. He picked a, a good guy to body slam Buffy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just can't believe Spike is still allowed to smoke in the magic shop. I mean, that just blows my mind. <laughs> I don't know if he's allowed, quote unquote, but, you know, he breaks all the rules. Yeah. It's the end of the world, mate. This is <laughs> yep. the year 2001. Smoking indoors was so much more common. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. How did we put up with that for so long? Like, it's so clear the world is better now. It Although, really like, is. now that everybody vapes, like, it doesn't smell <laughs> as bad as smoking, but it's, like, just as common. Yeah. Yeah. All the etiquette has died. Um, <laughs> So this is like not an interesting question, but it's just a technical question I think of every time when I watch it. Like they they specify that the ritual stops when the blood stops. Like the portal closes when the blood stops. Mm-hmm. Can like Don's bleeding just stop? Like if Buffy ran up and had like, you know, some super glue, could she super glue her wounds real quick <laughs> and have the portal stop? Um, or I mean, but I think that symbolically it has to be death, right? Right. <laughs> it's not interesting Completely. if you can just like cheat it. But <laughs> just like put they some never pressure on it. <laughs> yeah. Good. We're good. <laughs> I, I agree. I think this could have been a little bit more clear in the dialogue that they could have made this a little bit because I think it is a little bit confusing why like not only like why you can't just seal her wounds up, but like why Buffy sacrificing herself actually does close the portal. Like it you have to do some sort of uh thinking by analogy to get there. Yeah. Which is yeah, fine. That it's but like it's a it, little bit it, it, weird. All it would have taken was something like it's a man's sacrifice, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like I was like, they need a doctor on their teams. <laughs> <laughs> Those vague prophecies, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Cheat the vague prophecies. <laughs> it's all up for interpretation. So. <laughs> um, I wrote something trolling. Um, Dennis and John about whether or not Dawn is Buffy's sister. We can revisit this. Um, no, thanks. Thanks, Travis. Um, Kelly, for, uh, we have a very long standing prediction that, uh, Mike predicted Don, uh, Buffy does not have a sister right. and we're going to get into it this episode and both Giles and Glory weighed in on it this episode for us with their opinions that Buffy does not have a sister. My argument, Giles was just trying to win an argument. Uh, it's not necessarily something he believes he's just trying to make the strongest case he can to win an argument which i understand (laughs) so 
So he doesn't even have a point of view. He just is trying to win an argument. <laughs> yeah. So they just, well, I, I think. Let's just, let's just argue about this later. Yeah, save it for predictions. Right. Save it for predictions. We'll get into it. <laughs> All right. So I want to use the brain trust here. The Giles lists six apocalypses. Can we, can we ourselves name them? Dennis, you go. You got a list, my man. Okay. So this is not counting the current apocalypse. But the previous six are Prophecy Girl, Becoming, Zeppo, Graduation Day, Doomed, and Primeval. So they're counting Primeval as an apocalypse, which I don't know if it counts really. But wait, wait, why are they? How do we know they're counting it? Does he refer to it? No, he's just that's how you get to six. Oh, mm. got it. So it's basically the the four season finales plus the two mid season apocalypses mm-hmm. that were in the Zeppo and um, what's the other one in Damned? Which one was? Remind me which one damned was. That's the one where uh, Riley joins the team for the first time and those demons just jump into the hellmouth, which is okay. apparently completely open. That's right. That's right. Right. Yes. Was, that easily forgettable one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> can I, can I potentially add two to that? Yeah. Oh. So I would add innocence, which is the episode where they kill the judge. Mm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, to me, the judge was like, apocalypse related because that he was going to kill all of humanity and then eventually later that season two they go and have the becoming apocalypse which is different from the judge's version of killing all of humanity i feels like mm-hmm. um so I, i'd put that one in there and then also the one with the bezor right everyone was going to be the bezor's um like servant if we're counting the zeppo wouldn't we count the bezor episode i'm just throwing that out there um the mm. egg episode for those who oh the yeah. egg episode Bad eggs. Yeah, I, I was also thinking the wish, just because like mm-hmm. she, they literally yes, like the wish. Th- they erased the world that existed and created a new one, right? Mm-hmm. So bringing it back, even if it's like t- humanity isn't wiped out, it's still like erasing the world and starting again, right? And Giles' uh, line is he says at least six. Yeah. So he's acknowledging mm-hmm. there's some ambiguity in the count, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There may be his own. They may have their own spreadsheet and their own debates. <laughs> All right, good. We came up with at least six. I'm proud of it. <laughs> That's good, because if I had to think about it, I would have to definitely go back and, and take a moment to to think about it. There's like the apocalypse is apocalypses that they state are apocalypses. And then there's like the Zeppo one and there's like these random little ones like you mentioned that aren't you know, necessarily strictly apocalypses. So yeah. And the ones I feel like they even state as apocalypses. Like I don't, I'm not sure how the mayor becoming a full demon is an apocalypse. Mm. It's like just the destruction of Sunnydale, you know? Someone's going to say it. What's the plural of apocalypse, right? (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, there you go. You got to say it. You triggered me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Apocalypses. Boy. Apocalypse I. So I feel like there's been just a a lot of Looney Tunes references this season. Um, Because Glory goes like, what's the hubbub, bub? And then she later, (laughs) then like later calls like Buffy and Buffy's friends, her cartoon pals. Right. uh, Which is pretty ridiculous from from Glory, who is herself a cartoon. Um, (laughs) 
But I don't know what exactly is going up with it. But they're just the writers have have been rewatching Looney Tunes, I guess, this season. <laughs> I don't even recognize any of those. So thank you. That's fantastic <laughs> to hear. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, next one's me too. Um, <laughs> uh, Buffy uh, brings up that Willow has leveled up past her this season. Mm-hmm. You know, she calls her the big gun and like the only one who's really affected. Uh, glory. And I think like, it's pretty interesting where, how strong Willow is getting. I don't know if more. Oh, completely. I love, love Willow's character arc. So, so much. I guess that's all I'll say because <laughs> Michael hasn't seen any more of it. So all I'll say is that it's wonderful and interesting. <laughs> no, it's cool to see her power up. I mean, mm-hmm. she's got such a huge variety of spells and we even see more spells, you know, this episode with the, uh, telepathy spell mm-hmm. she's using to send messages to spike which is yeah. interesting yeah um yep. and telekinesis weird... it was a telepathy, and then she followed that up with some telekinesis yeah well when it comes yeah, but... down to it the slayer really i love her um but she really has just supernatural strength which is helpful if you're doing hand to hand, but I feel like magic is always going to be stronger than that and more useful Right, but so. you need you need the support of a barbarian, you know, to get yeah, you through. Need a tank. To you need the, a tank yeah. to level. Totally, to, everybody so has to survive role, long for sure. <laughs> And yep. you need a carpenter. Yep. <laughs> why, why do we need? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the carpenter is really more of a bard who's like got a feat in carpentry versus yes. you know being a full commitment. He's you know, well, carpenter slash fool, like every yeah. You know. I, know. <laughs> I think bar- bard kind of hits the fool thing. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, Y'all are some turds. <laughs> John, why don't you do some zooming in, oh. zooming in, hunting? Yes, uh, Travis pointed out to me uh, in the, in our chat previously that um, I should take a close look at the basement at the magic box, and I did. And I would just like to list for everyone some items that are kept in backstock in the basement at the magic box. Uh, there is a human skull. Makes Additionally, sense. there is the skull of some sort of, I think, large cat, possibly a lion or a puma. There are some carved elephant tusks. So uh, it's good Ooh. to know that the magic box is supporting the ivory trade. Um, there is some American flag bunting, some rare uh, patriotism shown by uh, Mr. Giles uh, for the wrong country. Uh, um, there's a vintage Cana- first age sorry. kit. I'm Canadian. What's what's bunting? Sorry, bunting being the the little triangular flags that you would see strung up on a string. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yep. Yes. So he has American odd. flag bunting, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has um, a vintage for his eighth kid. He has an antique bird cage in the shape of a, a Victorian mansion. He has a gigantic and creepy teddy bear. Just <laughs> piles upon piles of mannequin parts. He has a rainbow umbrella. He has uh, the kind of balance scale that you go and stand on at the doctor's office. He has bolts <laughs> of raw fabric. He has some sort of hanging pot gourd things and uh, just just uh, scads and scads and scads of statues. And uh, anything else? Anyone else caught? I see a weird fox mask. OK, there's a fox this- mask. Uh, there is, of course, a stuffed animal of a bunny, which is, is in the plot. Uh, like yeah. a sunglasses display, like for showing off glasses. Yep. Yeah. All sorts of nonsense. Oh, uh, the teddy bear is friggin' creepy. <laughs> it's like Teddy Rep- Repskin's evil brother. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. 
Oh yeah, goodness. this is the kind of <laughs> eccentric screen grabbing we do. Yeah, no, it's great. No, I love it. Because like somebody took the time and effort to put all of this together. So yeah, the set dressers had an absolute yeah. blast doing this. It's very love clear. It. Yeah. Well, canonically, how much do you think this is like Giles or a leftover stock from the previous magic shop owners? Is the human skull a previous ma- magic box owner? Yeah, I mean, we know that the magic box was a magic store before, but I think yeah. if you go back far enough, it must have been some other kind of store, which explains the mannequins and the bolts of fabric and, and a few other things. I think that's yeah. how I'm going to make it make sense. Uh, obviously, Spike hasn't been down here because he wouldn't have had to go shopping in the dump for a Buffy uh, oh, mannequin. Oh, God. Is that the? Is there a Greek statue? Is it the? Jan, is it the Janus? The Janus statue in the first oh, screen grab? Could be. Oh, maybe yeah, it's definitely it is. A it's like a, it's like a Greco-Roman. It's like a Greco-Roman yeah, head. That might be uh, old uh, Ethan Rains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, uh, I got to mention, of course, that Xander finally proposed. Or finally, I wasn't expecting a proposal. He doesn't even get it down on one knee for this proposal. It's it's a very. In- and it's it's a post coital proposal. Um, I was just surprised. <laughs> Should take those seriously. Yep. <laughs> those are the most serious proposals. <laughs> I'm just surprised uh, he didn't get down on one knee. Just like it lacks any kind of formality. Um, but that's maybe Xander. But uh, it was just like a surprising thing in this episode that like I don't think they told anyone they got engaged or anything no. like that. It was just a very uh, very sudden. I'm surprised um, this is your problem with this proposal. I think that this proposal is wrong <laughs> on so many other levels. The idea of surprising somebody with, I would like you to marry me, like that whole idea and tradition, I think really needs to die in a fire. Um, because like, <laughs> just like, oh, let's make a really important decision when I'm putting a lot of pressure on you is not how you treat someone you love, is my opinion. Um, but especially in a situation that he points out in the moment is already really stressful. Yes. It's horrible. Yeah. God damn it, Xander. <laughs> well, I, mean, I love attacking just the institution of proposals. I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I wasn't sure like how important this was going to be because in the episode, it seems like, oh, well then maybe at the end of the episode, you know, because Anya implies that, you know, I'll give you the, I want the ring, you know, when we survive. Yeah. It's like, oh, this would be great. In my mind, it planted an image of the end of the episode where there's going to be a ring trade or like a ring exchange. They propose would, over Buffy's corpse. Well, <laughs> I thought they would at least acknowledge, they would like, you know, you could cut to a wedding at the end of the episode, right? So I'm like, oh, this is kind of a weird, like way to like bring something really sweet out of the end of this. Of course they don't do that, but it's just like this kind of red herringy kind of story beat to put down. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I totally, it totally grabbed my attention. I was like, oh, what? Also, you know, like what, what could happen next in this thing? I mean, you could cut to, so many interesting things at the end, like into a wedding, into, you know, a toast. But uh, obviously they don't. I mean, I think it's kind of uh, a setup for this being a potential series finale and being like, it's going to end on this super hard note. But at least there's some like setups of happiness, potentially. Like, imagine if this was a, the finale and how we'd view it then. Well, this um, would be great in like the TV premiere, like special like ad for the episode, like a very special Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> Anya, I want to marry you. <laughs> Buffy's like, hey, another that apocalypse. Is not what the episode's you know? about. <laughs> um, I also heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard like Anya was supposed to die this episode. Like her final KO was supposed to be a kill, but basically like um, Anya wouldn't stop moving. So they were like, I guess she lives. 
don't know if that's true or if that's a. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard that. <clears throat> when when she uh, the stuff collapsed on her, or whatever, right? When yeah. Like, mm, at the yeah. end, when like Xander's picking her up, like she's still flopping around, but mm-hmm. so she's clearly alive. Yeah. <laughs> if like. You know, Anya saved her job by just not stopping moving. <laughs> Dude, that's so dark. Wow. What? I, they must have wanted to keep her around. That's like you mm-hmm. could. You yeah, could I think that's that's more just like rumor or like Joss Whedon said something as a joke that people thought was true. He um, knows that we care about Anya then because that's just to yeah. trigger people. Like, <laughs> that's unfair. Uh, so, um, Buffy, we often see Buffy in her leather pants, which we know are her fighting pants, yep. but the leather jacket and leather pants combo is pretty rare. So that's full fight. Yeah. <laughs> she means absolute business in that. Always. That is right. <laughs> Bringing out her inner faith. Yeah. And gets into battle. She's got to channel her faith sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She's putting on her big sister pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and there's, uh, uh, you know, Spike says, like, it's hardly the same Christmas Day speech. And then they recite a, a verse from it with a little joke. But I just wanted to play like five seconds of it because um, the lines right after what they riff on, mm-hmm. I feel like are appropriate for this episode. This is the um, Kenneth Branagh version. We few. We happy few. We band of brothers, for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think themselves a curse they were not here. That's That's got a lot of hope in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to pull out this, like, um, uh, for he today that shed his blood with me shall be my brother. Just because, like, there's such... Um, an overall season and especially this episode theme of blood mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. blood as both like relation and a sacrifice. Um, so it hits that. And cause we're constantly having a spike argument on this show. Um, <laughs> the be he ne'er so vile this day shall gentle his condition. Like mm-hmm. the idea of like, he may be a villain, but when he fights, but somebody who fights with us, uh, is good in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the argument for like Spike this episode in particular, and last the maybe last two or three episodes is like, like he might have this terrible history and stuff, but like right now he is on our side. So like, like today he's a hero, right? Um, so I just thought those the that those kind of connected. I thought that was interesting. Oh, Spike. So you guys, sorry, I haven't listened to all the episodes, but there's like an ongoing debate about Spike. It's mostly between us and our listeners. Uh, (laughs) We're like, we, you know, for whatever reason, this uh, rewatch of it, we've all kind of been like, Spike is a lot worse than I remember him. He's Uh, terrible. Yeah, he's not the charmer we remember him. He's actually like an awful person. Mm hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then our audience getting really mad because a lot of them really like Spike. Uh, um. Yeah. <laughs> not not yeah. all of them. Just a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some pretty diehard Spike fans who I think are afraid to be a bit critical. You can still enjoy his character, but be critical of it. Um, I was... Uh, my partner has seen the odd episode of Buffy and I watched The Gift yesterday and he watched it with me. And of course, if you haven't seen up until The Gift, there's a lot that you've missed out on. 
Yeah. But he's like, what is, what is this Buffy? What's this robot? He's like, did he make a sex bot? I was like, yes. You're like, oh my God. Like, I know he's not okay. There's many problematic aspects to Spike that apparently just keeps being, he keeps being forgiven time and time yeah. again. But right. no, we can't forgive Faith for what she did. Interesting aspect of the Whedon verse that I dislike. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't push Buffy for sex in this episode just because they have that time alone together in uh, Buffy's place. Like, cause we just saw the sex scene or whatever, the postcoital, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yep. Xander Anya. And then they go over to, you know, Spike's helping Buffy repair. I'm surprised there's no implication of that, but there's like, I feel the tension just as a viewer, mm-hmm. but like nothing, ha- they don't, they don't do anything with that, but it's like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. It's surprisingly it's tame. Cause the way that that scene is written is very like, like let's have a lot of sympathy for Spike in this moment scene. Yeah. Because you can't um, get in the house. Yeah. Because, <laughs> oh, you won't let me in the house just because I kidnapped you. <laughs> uh, but it is like, yeah, is it earned, I guess. Um, uh, I just feel like the show wants us to have more sympathy for Spike than we do. Yeah. Um, but we're viewing it from 2019. I don't know. Um, and we're also viewing it as older people than when we first watched it and are more able to be like, no, this is still like manipulative, abusive behavior. Yeah. Uh, And we're also looking at it because we finished the show. So we know what's to come so we can put, you know, a whole picture together for him. So Michael, you haven't seen everything yet, but it just gets worse, unfortunately. Whoa. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, our spike arguments will not stop. Nope. No. Um, so uh, when they get to when Spike or when Xander sees the Tower of Battle, um, he says Sprodoinkle, which is a Cannibal the Musical reference. Um, oh. I totally forgot was in there. I'm like, nice. I forgot about that musical completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they finally confront Glory or when Buffy Bot confronts Glory and the Dagon Sphere comes out, I was really expecting that to be a little bit more important. That yep. is just they she shouldn't have thrown it at Glory, first of <laughs> yeah. all. It was yeah, keep more it hidden, useful. so it's yeah. It's yeah. like a useful ward. It's like a cross almost. Like it's just keep she's like, uh, but then yeah. just crushes it immediately. Like also, how yeah. stupid is the Scooby game for forgetting that they had it? They just like apparently <laughs> lost it in the basement. <laughs> And like with it, they've had a lot going on this season, man. They went from like, oh yeah, I know. They've had a lot going on. That happens regularly. I feel like in this show, and you're like, remember? But don't you remember? Like four episodes ago, we could have been using this, but no. I mean, they probably also have a rocket launcher down in the basement that they didn't pull out. Yeah. Yeah. Could have cast the primeval spell too. They could have used the, you know, the done the Captain Planet spell, you know, and gotten Buffy powered up. Yep. But, and then the troll hammer is amazing. Yes. Wow. That that whole inclusion of that in this episode makes the troll episode worth it. Yeah. I did yeah. not expect it to come in. This felt like freaking MCU level stuff. It was really fantastic. I know that's a little bit um, mismatched in terms of the order of things because I know Whedon's important in the MCU. But wow, that gave me the most like glee is watching every time she's swinging that prop hammer. It made me smile. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's a great, yeah, it's a great level up. 
Yeah. I, and also the way the set is built so that Glory's Glory can just bounce off of everything. Yeah. <laughs> you get, really get that like amazing impact is like so solid. Yep. Uh, dumb question. Back in the episode Triangle, did they actually say that Olaf is a troll god back then? Because I just remember he was a troll. Did, did I miss something? And all of a sudden now he's a god mm-hmm. so they can say it's the weapon of a god. <laughs> was it uh, was it always a troll god? Or is he just... Uh, I know Spike calls him a troll god in the episode where Spike and Don break into the magic box. Mm. Okay. Um, and in that episode, in the in Triangle, uh, uh, Anya is like, get his hammer away from him. That's where all his strength comes from. Yeah. Right. And she does, and then he still has some strength. She's, he's still super powerful, and she's like, oh, well, he still has all that troll strength. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, okay. So he's a troll, and the hammer makes him a god. Is that Yeah, a- it's like, I think it's like Mjolnir. Work. Like yeah. the original Marvel version of Mjolnir, not like yeah, um, as it is in in myth or anything. But you can only lift like, it if you're actually a troll. So Buffy had to <laughs> go and do some shitty internet posting before she could pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> boo, dad jokes, boo. <laughs> it was 2000. She was uh, out there like making a horrible GeoCities page. Oh yeah, oh. just trashing on Cordelia. Though <laughs> I hate messenger. Cordelia GeoCities. <laughs> I think the reality is, if trolling was a thing, they couldn't have made that episode because they would have had to reference it in the episode. Like yeah. they would not, have, they wouldn't be able to resist. Yeah, the term <laughs> didn't exist as it does now. I guess. Uh, just want to say, like the the from the stunt acting to the sets that they're smashing and stuff. Like the final battle is really dope, and it's like. On a level you don't usually see on TV. And like, I think now like you see action scenes that look like full cinema, you know, like you watch like a giant battle from like uh, Game of Thrones and it looks like you're watching a movie. But this looks like like something else. It looks like you're watching um, uh, like WWE doing the Matrix or something. (laughs) Yeah. No, thanks for calling it out because they really did a better job yeah. with this than the end of the last season where they were doing that raid on the initiative where it was yeah. just like, they're like, okay, people are going to get thrown randomly at yeah. monsters, yeah. explosions. <laughs> it's just like, it felt really disorganized and chaotic. Yeah. This is like a super coherent, easy to follow with the eye kind yeah. of actions. Step. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Too. I agree. It's beautiful. It's my second favorite season finale. Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Oh, sorry. Uh-huh. I said it was a really beautiful ending. Yeah, I love the the choreography and yeah, just yeah. I feel like the season four was very cheesy, whereas this was <laughs> epic, epic. Yeah. And one of my favorite yeah, they- things what Buffy does is it's so, so silly, but it just sometimes her footwear and outfits aren't the most practical for what she has to do. So before going into this fight, her hair was up which makes sense. And then she goes to fight Glory and then she puts her hair down. She takes out that ponytail. It's like, now I'm ready to fight. Put my hair down. She does that a lot. I'm like, no, that's not, it should be the opposite. You're like, okay, time to, you know, suit up, battle up. My hair's up. I'm ready to go. Not take it down and brush it, straighten it probably. And- Is that why Spike calls it shampoo commercial hair? <laughs> yeah. Gotta look your best for the apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay, like she so knows I, she's being filmed. I can't believe that Giles kills Ben in this uh, sequence here. This is the most amazing version of Giles. 
especially after Xander suggests killing Ben and he gets shut down. Like mm-hmm. Giles is kind of like creepily in the background of that scene. Like, well, maybe we could Xander, but like yeah. <laughs> it's full on Ripper. I feel like yeah. he's he's definitely exerting the the Watcher Council vibe that we got, you know, many seasons ago with uh, with that choice. And I don't think there are any witnesses. I think like no, this, this no is witnesses. just like this is a solo kill. It is creepy. And Giles, uh, Giles going to that quiet voice that like I like I was watching that. I think with Travis and I was just like, he's going to kill him. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean, I guess they have to right in order to stop, you know, Ben and Glory. And, you know, you kind of yeah. think this is how things are going to play out, but not in this dark way. I thought he would just die, you know, from all the all the wounds and injuries or whatever. But. Wow. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. This is such I, yeah. I wanted to rewatch just for this scene. It's the it's like the darkest death scene on this show. <laughs> yep. Agreed. You know, as he said earlier, he has to make the decisions that other people shouldn't have to make. And he he knew that Buffy wasn't able to do that. We've seen previously how upset she felt when Faith accidentally Uh, kills that man and just like turns her world upside down. And Giles at the time was very sympathetic. He's like, you know, sometimes people get caught in the crossfire and he's totally, you know, pretty not, I don't want to say nonchalant, but he's very, he's just understanding of the roles that they have to play in this world. And he's accepted it. There's so many aspects that Buffy has yet to accept. And I think that's one of them. Yeah. And I want to point out Buffy did kill at least four Knights of Byzantium two episodes ago. Uh, But maybe it's different when it's in the heat of battle versus like once the (laughs) opponent's been defeated. That does make it like a thousand times more brutal. But uh, shows being a little inconsistent with Buffy's stance on killing humans. They can't take Ben prisoner. (laughs) He's too dangerous. They have to. They have to kill him. Yeah. But it's it's crazy that that Giles is the one that has to do it because they're all too immature to handle the responsibility of like taking him out. But, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. Giles has to put on the creep factor apparently to do it. (laughs) (laughs) She's not like us. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think it's ever mentioned again. It's just like, it happens and then we just move on. Well, I'm glad I already wrote this prediction down uh, for the season six, but I believe that, uh, They're never bringing it up again. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped ahead. And, oh, no. I Yeah, no, I, I think if uh, if I don't have it there, that's I definitely want to have that in the predictions. There's a lot of aspects uh, in Buffy that happens in an episodic format that never gets mentioned again. So it's just it's just one of those things that we'll always remember, but we don't have to talk about again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Willow and Tara holding hands to telekinesis push uh, people back is a little bit of a hush callback. That's nice. Mm-hmm. You know, they're back. They're back. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When the dimensional gate opens up, we see like some of these other creatures and these other dimensions kind of coming into ours. What the heck is going on with these aliens <laughs> and the dead house or whatever the heck they're in? That is crazy. For like one second, this they look like Geiger aliens that they painted on lipstick of like they just kind of <laughs> their face a little bit yeah they're super messy looking and like yeah, that's like them it's su- it's incredibly freaky but like do they have to then take out these creatures because like the the portal closed it's not like it sucked everything back in it's just kind of like yeah. and and episode 
Like, or the dragon. That's a nightmare. The dragon is yeah. just dragon. gone. I think everything yeah. just gets sucked back in. Like, everything just gets reversed. That's, I guess, just what happened. Because, again, not explained. <laughs> it's amazing also because it's, like, one shot. But clearly a lot of money and time was spent on these aliens. Like, Oh, yeah, it's all practical. So, yeah. Yeah. It's well, a lot I guess of money. I, uh, I guess I got a bunch of these in a row here, so I'll just go through all my reactions. But I could not believe that Buffy's unambiguously dead. Like, they set this up so she has to jump even into this dimensional portal to shut it, right? And it's like, well, you're going to die from the fall and or, like, you know, be sucked into another dimension. And she totally, she completely sacrificed herself. And then they cut, of course, to the headstone. So it's like, she's really dead, people. There's no way out of this. That's incredibly shocking. Yeah, uh, I didn't anticipate this is how the show would end. And I don't think I cr- I didn't cry like I didn't like I wasn't emotionally impacted because I didn't believe it. I think like I was like, that's not how this show works. But uh, they did it and uh, they, they they pull on the headstone and like really take the time to dolly in. So you uh, you absorb the reality of it. Just unreal. And so it's interesting to see all the characters emote. You know, you kind of see their reactions to Buffy being dead. And man, Spike yeah. losing it is the best. Just like he's really feeling the full impact of what what's happened. Yeah. And I don't think anybody yeah. else in the Scooby gang is really getting it. But like, uh, yeah, man, just watching Spike kind of like lose it was just that. That's the reaction. That's what triggered my reaction was seeing that reaction. Because yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't yeah. like I'm like, nah, this isn't that's not what happened. <laughs> I don't know why I have to like unwrite the show in my mind. <laughs> but like, I couldn't believe they did that. Believe it. That's how the show is. <laughs> so. When so when that happened, then I'm like, I went into that like um, whatever that state where you have to review everything that happened in your mind to like determine w- what was important and what wasn't. And I was like, okay, so the the box that the that they stole from the warlock that Xander and Spike stole that turned out to be useless, or it didn't even that show had, up. Um, no, it had it had the books that they're reading at the beginning of the episode. That's okay. how Giles finds out the details about the thing, but it's not like, yeah. Your prediction was wrong. Sorry. Oh yeah, no. It's, it turns out to be not that. <laughs> it useful. is. It is in and there then, in the episode. Uh, it's just like not a big deal. It's just like um, more exposition information. Well, they killed a guy for it, maybe. Uh, so it wasn't worth it. Where's Angel? Angel's there at. You'll have to watch uh, the Angel season two finale to find out where Angel is. Yeah, <laughs> you'll He's be busy. surprised. <laughs> I'm just surprised that Angel doesn't. I do make love an when he comes back, here. though. <laughs> but it makes it makes it clear though that the death is my gift so travis was demanding i make a prediction about death is my gift last episode that we watched and like i got i got nothing on it because i didn't literally believe that she was going to kill herself and that she you know that gift would save you know save her friends save the world uh that's a really unpredictable phrase um that they could have used a ton of different ways um mm-hmm. so well done well done for asking for it but man i to completely did not predict this. That's an unlikely way to end a show to kill the main character. Well done. Have Buffy. you have you uh, read the New Testament? <laughs> <laughs> I should have known the first book, the best book would have uh, anticipated this one. I don't know if it's the best book, but it's the good book. <laughs> it's the average book. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a good twist of like she thinks it means killing, but it means yeah. dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, can I bring up something um, that wasn't brought up yet? Um, when at the end, the, the creepy old warlock guy, he stabs uh, Spike and then he cuts Dawn with the same mm-hmm. knife. So in theory, Dawn's blood was mixed a little bit with vampire blood. Right? Whoa. I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. So that's, I was just like, oh. Dirty, I mean, he didn't, dirty he didn't, knife. He didn't sterilize that knife in between stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, well, I mean, like that was pretty interesting. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if Dom became like a vampire because of that? <laughs> Just <from> that. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. That Mike, would say, don't I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not trolling Mike. I'm just letting. I'm just like noticing something. Oh, I'm not falling for this. Everyone's <laughs> reactions are telling me that's BS. No one becomes a vampire from being stabbed. No, just a vampire key. That'd be great. Kelly, do you want to say your last one or? Uh, no, it's fine. It was mainly just that I just, as soon as the opening credits go, I just start crying and I cry for 43 minutes straight. So I can barely even notice anything else is happening because I just, I already, like, I already know the end. So I'm just like, I'm already like, I I'm welling up and then I'm crying. So no, that was fantastic. Great observations. Uh, let's go on to uh, questions for the group. Questions for the group. Mike, looks like you got the first one. So for people who are watching this when it was on the air, you know, you knew that there was going to be a season six when you saw this episode, correct? Yeah. There, um, I think the episode, they didn't know when they wrote the episode, maybe if there was going to be a season six, but they knew by the time it aired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there was a rap party and everything. They're like, well, this is it. Let's, you know, this is, let's just party it up. Let's celebrate everything that's happened. And then you're right. When it aired, they, they knew. So. And this is, yeah, this is also the hundredth episode by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they knew at the beginning of the series of the season, this was going to be their last season on the WB at least. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know if they're going to get picked up by a different network. So what did you think that was going to happen? Like, what do you think was going to happen between seasons? Or did you have a sense of like the, the continuing story or what was going to was I assume that there's like rumors, of course, in the fandom about what would happen next or how they're continue the show. I'm just curious, like what it was like to, at this moment in fandom, because for me, like my mind's going crazy places with, spe- with speculation like it does. But I don't know if there was it's kind of inspiring conversation, I would think, to kind of figure out where they're going to take the story next. Just curious if we can come back to whatever year that was, maybe 2003, 2002. And like two, right? 2002. Like where, what were you thinking would happen next? Oh my God. That's so long ago. (laughs) I was too devastated. I was completely gutted. So. (sighs) I do remember at some point, like calling Travis to talk about it and. I don't know how to say this in a non-spoilery way. Like you can <laughs> guess that the, <laughs> the character named Buffy will be on season six of Buffy. But like, <laughs> or what, like the fact that every character in the show lived with, you know, was going to live with Buffy being dead for an entire summer, at least, mm-hmm. you know, is wild. Okay. Just curious about the existential crisis in the fandom and what, what that might've been like. But thank you for not destroying it. I appreciate it. I'm sure she'll be resurrected. I mean, I've got that in my my notes, but I mean, I don't know how. But so, um, does the troll hammer also give Buffy extra strength, like it's Mjolnir? 
Seems to. Because we know it, it gave the troll like an extra bump of strength. So I, I think it does, right? Yeah. Which in which case, why did she use it all the time? Yeah, she totally should. Why put that power down, right? That would yeah. be bonkers to just see her patrolling. Well, it won't, it won't kill. It won't kill vampires. It yeah. will if you like <laughs> smash their heads in enough. I mean, eventually that counts as a decapitation if their head is yeah. flat. I think I mean, if their if their chest is crushed, also that's yeah. like maybe. I mean, that just proves that like people make aesthetic considerations over practical considerations in a magical universe all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. what's cooler, leather jacket and a stake. Versus troll hammer and uh, rocket launcher. Right? Yeah, not just in magical universes, in the real universe. Like, I'm like, every day that it's raining and I don't wear a poncho outside, I'm making like a, an aesthetic choice over a practical choice. <laughs> John Poncho Landis. It's also, yeah, it's just not a classic. It's not iconic. A troll hammer is not iconic for a slayer. So, of course. It would, it would, yeah, it would be a hard time also. I think there, there's a practicality of she walks around all of Sunnydale during her patrols. Yeah. If she's like walking down like the main street with this giant hammer. <laughs> it could be like, you know, in the like, like they could make a holster for it. She could pull it out as needed. It doesn't have to be so conspicuous. They could design around it. Or it's pretty conspicuous, it no matter what you do. It's, she's it's a you have a backpack. You have to yeah, like, just a big duffel bag. She could do like the El Mariachi guitar case. Yeah. <laughs> that girl's always carrying around her bass, yeah. her cello. <laughs> a bowling bag or something. <laughs> How would it fit in a bowling bag? What do you it's got a handle? What are you doing? Uh so I've already asked this I've already kind of mentioned this, but since this is the WB series finale, like how would you have felt if this was the last episode of the show ever? I think it works. I think it, I think it works totally well. I think it, I think it, uh, concludes all the arcs in a way that is satisfying. But like you said, there, there's an effort to allow you to imagine the characters continuing on like the last episode of cheers or whatever. Like there's, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing of like Tara is back. So Willow and Tara are back together and Anya and Xander have an engagement. So there's some moving on. Sure. But, you know, Buffy is dead. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and I don't know. She, like, that was always in the cards, right? I mean, she's a she's a Christ figure and like her death has always been sort of predicted from the very beginning. And yeah. she, she's able to do it. Also she is on prophecy her, girl. Yeah, and she's able to do it, though, also on her own terms. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. die at the behest of the Watcher Council. Right. She yeah. makes a choice um, and it's for someone that she loves uh, yeah. rather than uh, sort of her the, the role that's rest upon her i think i i think it works as the last episode very well yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm uh, definitely in favor of this being the last episode um it's very good yeah it uh i think it as much as i enjoy what happens afterwards and what happens in season seven and how the show actually ends uh, I would have been totally 100% fine with that. And just like, I think you said it just just perfectly, which was kind of something I was going to talk about in the um, other section. Uh, so I don't know if you want to talk about it now or just kind of save it. But I think it was a perfect way for the show to end, but mainly perfect for Buffy's character. She welcomed death. She was ready for it. She had gone through so much and suffered so long 
in so many different ways that, you know, she welcomed it. And you're right. It was her death on her terms instead of her life being taken away from, you know, a monster. It was her choice, which I think is hugely powerful, um, which anyways, sorry. I, it's really hard that I can't no. talk about what happens after anyways, but yes, that's where I'll end that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, since we're already kind of in deep stuff and themes, let's, uh, officially jump over. Deep stuff. Um, and this is purely a theme, not a deep stuff, but, um, like there's an overall full season recurring thematic element of blood, um, that started with Buffy versus Dracula, um, and ends in this, in the summer's blood, the importance uh, of like, and, uh, Spike has the whole speech about what blood is. It keeps you warm. It keeps you strong, keeps you alive. Uh, which, uh, I don't know. I really appreciate when a show like tries to like be, have cohesive thematic elements like that. And then explores like what each ba- aspect of those are. Uh, and also, I guess this is a good time to talk about a crazy fan theory for this season, oh, uh, which I brought up in Dracula ver- in Buffy versus Dracula. And then was like, Oh, I can't talk about it. <laughs> uh, but um, so the monks needed to create Don using Buffy's blood. She's made from Buffy's blood, right? That's like how this works. Mm-hmm. And so where did they get her blood? Well, the fan theory is that the Dracula we meet in, in season five, episode one is not the actual Dracula. Mm. It's actually like a, it's actually like a magical illusion from the monks that its entire purpose is to bite Buffy to get some blood. <laughs> and, uh, he's like chris angel what is this the chris angel yeah. dracula hmm. <laughs> and the 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 reasons this work is um there are two characters on the show who have met dracula before spike and anya and neither of them get to meet the meet dracula in this hmm. uh dracula does in no way shape or form behave like a normal vampire even when he um gets like bitey he doesn't get the forehead bumps theories for that was like maybe monks don't know that vampires get forehead bumps Mm. um and after buffy gets bit at the very end of that episode is the first time don exists she doesn't exist at the beginning of the episode and she does at the end Mm -hmm. so the magic happens during that episode so that's the fan the crazy fan theory that we never met dracula we only met some magic monk monk nonsense well i'm convinced i I like that theory but i don't like that means that there was we never met dracula and that didn't actually happen because i that's one of my favorite episodes (laughs) but fantastic that they put that much thought into it i just if they affected i just like a lot of things that happens in the show you just don't ask questions, and that's fine. I don't need to know the story is epic enough. I don't need to know the fine details. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't ask questions? Yeah. Shit, guys, that's it for the podcast. We're, we're out. <laughs> Stop recording. There's many ways that anyone could have sneakily got blood from Buffy. I, I don't really have a ton to say about this, but I also just wanted to be like, Buffy and Giles, I mean, technically Giles, but a god is beaten and murdered and like what are the theological implications and philosophical mm. implications of saying god is dead 
and we beat him to death with a hammer. I just gonna say, as far as the show is concerned, there are no implications because they're they're like they they only using the word God as a way to turn up the volume on the danger from season to season. It is utterly other than that, it's utterly meaningless. So like they're like, yeah. okay, the first season we got to kill a demon, and then the second season or a vampire. The second season is a better vampire, and then eventually they're like, okay, demon, yeah. no, a real demon in season three. It's like no, it's a real demon, and then. You know, season four, it's a super demon. And then, it's you know, a Terminator, finally, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, finally they have like, basically if they, they could anywhere where they're saying God in this episode yeah. or in this whole season, you could take that out and replace it with super duper bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, would, it wouldn't make any difference. There's, there are no yeah. theological implications to this. Yeah. You, you think there's none, no theological, like, cause God is just like a, a different, is just a power level. It's just yeah. like, yeah. it's just the power level. He's at 6,000. Great. Yeah. And also they don't live in the world where she was a God. So I'm sure it has implications in that yeah. world and that dimension. Yeah. And maybe they're pissed. Right. But again, we may or may not find out. <laughs> I love that speculation. That's exciting. <laughs> I was, I was thinking, I'm reminded of when you, how the way you frame that question by the video game, God of War. I don't think anyone's played that one. But like you play this character, Kratos, and he literally kills gods, mm -hmm. right? He like that's part of the game is killing gods. Yep. And, you know, gods are just really exciting bosses to fight. So I was feeling uh, that true. before John got in there about the exact same point, which is like, those are the coolest bosses. But they also have a million, a million freaking brothers and, you know, people that want revenge who are also super powerful. So it's just endless conflict at that point, you know, at a, at a point. Um, I also think of... Uh, uh, in Klingon religion, the Klingons have no gods because they the Klingons killed them because they were more trouble than they were worth. <laughs> wow, uh, that's amazing. I just I I don't know. I like the philosophy of the theological power of like a, of just killing a god because it's like, are they more trouble than they're worth? Is there like something in worshiping them that isn't worth it, and therefore they should die? Right. Mm. And it's not to say gods don't exist. It's to say. I killed them. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a believer, but I'm a believer in hammers more. <laughs> you know, when all you have is a troll hammer, everything looks like a god. Yeah. <laughs> no, a goddamn nail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Kelly, do you want to expand right. a little on? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Mine is the next one. So, for my other project for Spinsters of Horror, we did a Buffy. No, yeah, we did a Buffy month. We're going to be revisiting Buffy a couple of times because there's seven seasons. We split it up into three parts. But we did a space horror themed month. So I watched uh, Alien, Aliens, Alien Resurrection. And sorry, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. So I watched all of them and revisited them. And I love the character of Ellen Ripley. She is my, my favorite woman in horror. And... I was watching Alien 3 and I, after watching that and just doing a lot of research that month and watching all those movies, I realized how absolutely similar Ellen Ripley and Buffy are. And I was like very deeply, deeply moved. And I noticed this after watching the end of Alien 3, uh, because if you haven't seen it, she also kills herself in a very similar method that Buffy kills herself in the gift. So um, Ripley jumps back first into 
the flames, we'll say. Um, and Buffy jumps headfirst or face first into it. So in in reading about the similarities between them, Buffy's Buffy's death is seen as an act of struggle. So she has been fighting the forces of evil for five seasons for a very long time, suffered greatly. People have died. Just people in her life have died. You know, her mom died from natural um, from natural causes, but just so much fighting. Like I can just imagine how stressful it would be to constantly have to be fighting for your life. Like it's just all the time on a day to day basis. So it's seen as an act of struggle. And like we talked about earlier, it's so incredible. The fact that she now can, you know, end her life as a moment of, you know, having absolute agency and control over her life, her body, and she'll take her life and, and, you know, in her own way, like we talked about. So I loved, you know, comparing and contrasting Ellen Ripley and Buffy. And I found it really, really quite fascinating. Uh, so I kind of wanted to just bring that up and talk about that because they're really similar characters and just her death is just hugely impactful and powerful, not only for the character, for the show, but in a feminist kind of way. Thank you. Yeah. Gosh, that and, really works. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about the connection between those characters, but that's an, that totally works. Um, and they're also, they're of- both characters who are complete survivors. So like you just don't expect after surviving alien and aliens for uh, alien three to be the end of her, you know? Mm-hmm. And similarly, like Buffy is not only like super strong, but she's a leader and she's the main character. And we just like, as an audience don't really have an expectation for her to ever meet her finale, you know? Completely, completely. And they both choose their own deaths. Um, and then, well, if you've seen the rest of the show and then the other movies, um, it, uh, I, I think it just further on, um, they're, they're very, um, similar. They say Buffy comes back as a glory, uh, Buffy hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Maybe. interesting then that like this ultimate story of female power is also a story of like, of struggle and sacrifice that that's where these all these stories of the strongest women in a given universe go is they have to kill themselves because they have to solve a problem in their world and they're, they're the strongest, but that's also the greatest gift they can give to destroy, you know, whatever the, the obstacle is, is their own life. I mean, yeah. that's, that is, that's insane. I feel like, you know, the, I mean, this is a different movie, but of course I'm thinking of the stupid Bruce Willis and Apoc- uh, apocalypse, which one was Armageddon. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Where he kills himself to save humanity, mm-hmm. you know, but it's certainly less triumphant. I mean, it's, it's celebrated, but it's, it's, uh, it's it's less personal, I think. I feel like the the Alien Three is super personal, right? Because she's like connected to the alien in a really intense way. Yeah. Like she's also kind of the mother figure, yeah. sacrificing herself in that. Yep. And then Buffy like is Buffy. totally, yeah, totally. We, yes, that's a distraction. Uh, <laughs> Buffy is also kind of a maternal figure to Dawn in mm-hmm. making a choice to sacrifice herself. I mean, that's. That's real interesting. I don't I don't know what it means beyond mm-hmm. like yeah. the themes that we're touching on, but uh I want to I would like to read more. <laughs> yeah, and also like go back like Alien 3 and 4 are totally underrated movies. Agreed. Like, uh uh Alien 4 written by Joss Whedon, uh you know there's a lot of similar themes between Buffy and Alien 4. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Better movie than almost anybody gives it credit for. Yeah. 
The movie yeah. is so excellently slimy. Oh, I know. Oh, the xenomorphs are so wet. Like it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, they're really wet. Yeah. Also, just, I was just now thinking. I just now occurred to me is that like in between the alien films, Ripley's unconscious in between every film. She's experiencing those as one experience directly after the yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of time at the beginning of Aliens where she's sort of like hanging out with Paul Reiser and yeah, like being yeah. sort of like um, bored yeah. and grossed out. But like for the most part, she's experiencing all of those experiences back yeah, to back. Like hundreds of years of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. That's exactly. A, no wonder. I, I would, I'd jump into molten lead too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that seems like a good transition to yours, John. Oh, just, um, this is a honest question. Um, at the end, you know, wraps up with, uh, the hardest thing in the world is to live in it. And every time she says that, uh, I well up a little bit and that line really gets to me, but to be honest, I have no idea what it actually means or what I'm supposed to take away from that. Like, it feels mm-hmm. a little like a fortune cookie. Um, <laughs> does anybody want to help me understand what that, what that means? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that for Buffy's perspective, her life is a constant struggle and, you know, she has to fight daily battles with demons, but we all have to fight daily battles with demons. <laughs> I mean, it's a metaphor, but it, yeah. it really She's works. recognizing the metaphor of her own existence. Mm-hmm. But we all have to, it, it, living is such a, is, it is, uh, is hard because the choice we have to make and like to achieve self-actualization in addition to just like staying alive uh i mean it's just it's constant and it is it's a tough one i mean she's she's literally in conflict with demons like if she i mean i love that scene with her and giles she says like if don doesn't live i don't want to do this anymore and retire that to me told me that she was gonna she was probably gonna die this episode but like i didn't think that before then because Mm -hmm. the stakes were so she raised the stakes that way Mm -hmm. but like yeah i mean if Especially with for people with kids and stuff. I don't know if you have something in, in your life that's so important for you. Then I think it, it probably it raises the stakes. But that's that's where I was feeling with that. Like the hardest thing is to live it. Yeah, I, I yes, I totally identify with that. That is mm-hmm. that is the world. <laughs> where I would take it from there, which I definitely agree, is that decisions are easy, but living with your decisions and everything that comes with the consequences of aspects of your life is what's the the hardest part of it. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. That 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 does make it mean more more to me. That's yeah. that's. I'll take that home. That sounds like John. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Trav, do you have a read on it? Well, I think it's. I think you know it's deeply personal to each person. So I think it's kind of generic, but I think each person can instantly formulate in their mind what it would mean. Um, and uh, you know, really, part of this is like the hardest thing is to remain emotionally connected to the world despite heartache or struggle. So that's like another thing, like you can disconnect from the world is so easily, but so the hardest thing is to be connected, to be part of the living teeming mass of humanity um, and have that love or emotional connection to other people. I like that as well. I I like that as well. Instead of being like on autopilot in your life, it's hard to actually live it, engaging with it and, and everything. So it's great. Yeah, I feel like that's closest to where I've always interpreted it. Is like, it's the easy, the easiest thing is to just go on autopilot and just watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> the hardest thing is to like really actually be in your own life. Yeah. The the easy thing is to watch it like a TV show, and then the hard thing is to make a podcast about it. <laughs> that's right. We truly are heroes. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. So let's uh, let's do some recommendations. Um, and it comes as no surprise after the Ellen Ripley talk that I am going to recommend Alien Three. And I don't have to explain it at all because, uh, Kelly, you perfectly explained why we should be watching Alien 3. Um, I was thinking about the themes of self-sacrifice for the greater good. So I also said, and unfortunately, that's an incredibly long list of movies because we live in a Christian culture. Uh, but I'm narrowing it down to uh, some tight ones. Uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. uh, Spock sacrifices himself for the greater good mm-hmm. because the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or one. Uh, it's a very touching sacrifice that really is only more touching if you've been watching Star Trek your entire life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen these characters Trek. really express a lot of emotions <laughs> until now. Uh, I'm going to recommend the original Godzilla because Dr. Serizawa sacrifices himself mm. Not only to destroy Godzilla, but also to use the oxygen destroyer for the first and last time. An invention of his own creation that he thinks humanity would only misuse. So he destroys yeah. all information of it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And also, he's awesome and he has an eye patch. And come on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my final rec, um, and I'm probably going to get some shit for this one, but it was a last minute just thinking about it. Uh, the Sofia Coppola movie, The Virgin Suicides, uh, just because it's got, it's a good movie. The connection is just like, it's a lot of sisters committing suicide. Um, so it doesn't quite fit the self-sacrifice for the greater good theme. But I was like, when else am I going to have a chance to really recommend this movie? Um, and if I, I mean, if you haven't seen The Virgin Suicides, I think, uh, and you want to watch a movie with a bunch of kids committing suicide, which I understand some folks don't. It is a really good movie, and it speaks to a very particular time and place with character in characters' lives, you know, mm-hmm. and how hard it is to live in the world. Um, and it's got a ton of great acting, and it's you know, it's well shot. Um, so those are my recs. Uh, Kelly, did you have any? Uh, I'm gonna throw in their Alien Resurrection for homework. Yeah. <laughs> For everyone. Yeah. Ties in beautifully with Alien 3. And it does. with Good season call. 5 and 6. And it has a great shot of Winona Ryder wearing boxing gloves trying to drink alcohol. <laughs> which always cracks me up. She's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And her mole is a USB port. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Uh... Let us jump into the insanity that is predictions for this week. Virgin predictions. So, Michael, here we are at the end of season five at present. Uh, your overall accuracy in predicting what happens in Buffy the Vampire Slayer is at a 63.47%. Uh, your accuracy in predicting what has happened in season five up to this point has been a 65.96. So slightly better than average at predicting uh, things in season five. Let's see how you fare. There's a lot of predictions that have uh, come true or not in this episode. So... Dialing things way back to season two, episode 12. Michael, you predicted that Buffy will not have children. Uh, I wanted to bring this up. Um, Actually, I want to 
really discuss this this episode because I think it's pretty clear personally that Don is both in like a metaphorical sense and in a magical sense, Buffy's uh, daughter, because she has to raise her from that. She's been raising her for half this season um, and she's made directly from her blood. Um, which I know will be arguing this is maybe affecting another prediction, but, um, so I, I disagree. I also um, do <laughs> because I think, uh, saying that she will have children, she has some agency in having children. She was, you know, mysteriously her blood or somehow used to create a clone or duplicate of her or like the key became that form. So like she doesn't even control the having of children. So I would say that's denied just, I think that should be denied. <laughs> Um, and I also, uh, Joyce even says before she dies that, um, she says specifically something like you have to take care, you have to love Dawn the way I love you. Mm -hmm. She doesn't say like a sister, like she's a real sister. She says the same way that I, Joyce, love my daughter Buffy. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think Joyce is on my side. (laughs) Not the same thing. I do not think that, that, that Dawn can be said to be, uh, Buffy's daughter. So I vote that this one stays open because in the future, um, she may yet have children. Travis, any thoughts? I'll just leave it open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kelly? Open. Excellent. So we're going to leave that one open, uh, Dennis. Your, your move to deny that uh, is uh, silly. Okay. Hey, uh, audience, what do you guys think? <laughs> Back me up here. <laughs> okay. All right. We got quite a few to talk about here. Oh, sorry. We're gonna, most of these will be... Sorry. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Yep. Here we go. Okay. Back in uh, our recap at the end of season four, Michael, you predicted that Tara and Willow will do a combined spell that will break the world in a good way. Now, in this episode, um, Tara and Willow do a combined spell that sort of shoves the people out of the way, um, thus enabling the rest of this to happen. Um, I think you could argue that this leads to the world being repaired, which Repair, If I, I can't think of any uh, better definition for repair than breaking the world in a good way. Mm. So <laughs> since this helps to repair the world, is it breaking it in a good way is my question. I know for a fact this is not what Mike was predicting. It was like, <laughs> they'll create a wish verse or something like that, you know. Right. Uh, we can leave it open if people like. Uh, um, I, I don't think this, this spell breaks the world. Okay. I mean, it's super crazy that now she's teleporting telepathic and telekinetic yeah she's jean gray yeah but i'm not sure it breaks the world okay kelly do you have any thoughts you want to, you think they think the spell breaks the world in a good way no i don't think it's powerful enough i don't think what it does consists of breaking the world so dennis and i have both tried to uh get some uh predictions uh settled uh for some fairly silly things then. Uh, okay, season five, episode five. Michael, you predicted that the new monster in the red dress, because we didn't yet know her name, uh, will not be killed in season five. Ooh. So this one is denied. Okay. Uh, Michael, season five, episode nine, you predicted no bur- no mercy for Ben the intern. He's going to die. Wow, in five. that's intense. So well <laughs> predicted. <laughs> I did. I didn't like him for other reasons, not because he was glory. So that <laughs> one's for Ben is glory. Although in the very next prediction, same episode, Michael, you predicted that Faith is going to kill Ben. Mm. I just thought that would be cool. <laughs> it would have been cool, but Giles killing Ben was still pretty cool. 
Yeah. Much uh, more surprising. Okay. Uh, jumping ahead a few episodes in season five, episode 11, you predicted that a Wancher council member will be murdered <laughs> by glory brackets. If more are murdered. <laughs> so. I don't know what if more are murdered. Yeah, means. I'm not sure what that means. So if more Watcher Council members are murdered, which they weren't, mm-hmm. they would be murdered by Glory. So I'm not sure if this is, I'm not sure how to I interpret thought, this we one. Thought the, I thought the Watcher Council was going to be more useful in disposing of Glory. They right. showed up for one episode, then they took off. So I clearly denied. Yeah. Okay. We're going to deny this one, I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right. So a couple of things here about the Knights of Byzantium. Um, In season five, episode 12, you predicted that the Knights of Byzantium will swear allegiance to Buffy. Uh, We probably should have handled this one. I think I was off that episode uh, where they were all. Yeah, I think we just mentioned it, but you were gone. So that's denied. Hmm. Um, You predicted that Buffy will also command the Knights into battle against Glory. That also did not happen. So that is denied. That one, by the way, I'm sorry to say, was a super prediction. Oh no! Super predictions for the audience are worth five times the amount of a regular prediction (laughs) because we just this whole system wasn't complicated enough. All right, Uh, okay. Playing number wang over here. (laughs) Season five, episode thirteen. You predicted that Glory can use Dawn as a key without killing Dawn. What do you guys think about the mechanics of this? So, I guess she did. She did use Dawn as the key to open up the portal. She didn't in the end kill Dawn. So I think this is the fact that Michael said that she can it, and she did. Right. So that's true. Yeah. That's confirmed. It's true. All right. Yeah. Okay. Technically, Woo. yes. He okay. had no idea what he was doing when he made the prediction, <laughs> but it's, it's actually ended up happening. So yes. Uh, this one's interesting. I don't know if this one will ever be able to be confirmed or denied. Michael predicted that Glory's dimension is Arthurian. So we know that when <laughs> the walls between dimensions come down, it's sort of all of them. Which so we get random stuff. We get the the like the the weird like alien things. We get the the dragon. The Matrix Xenomorphs. We, we don't know anything about her universe yet. I kind of want to just think... give this one to Michael because like there's a dragon. A dragon does pop up. A dragon pops out. I kind of want to give it to him just because there's a dragon. And she was being hunted by knights. Is everybody cool yeah. with that? Everybody, yeah, I am okay. cool with this. I'm cool. Okay. With Surprisingly, right. I am cool. I'm not <laughs> gonna fight Mike on this. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna like, give him that one. All right. Uh, season five, episode 13, Dawn will stop glory. I don't think she did. I think that that one is denied. That one also a super prediction. Second super prediction denied this episode. (laughs) It's not looking good for you. Okay. Uh, also, uh, the very next episode, after you predicted that Dawn will stop glory, you predicted that spike will stop glory. Mm. That also didn't happen. Uh, can we right. also, there's a one right above it. Spike will save Buffy's life. Since that could Buffy still happen dead. though. Spike could still save Buffy's life. The show's point. over. Buffy died. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to, we're going to have to come back to that. Dennis. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one, I don't know if we can address, but Xander. I thought about this one also. As a contractor. To... This is a uh, season five, episode 15. Michael, you predicted Xander comma as a contractor comma will build a new tool for killing monsters. Uh, I don't think he had to do any building, but you're so close when, with Xander using his uh, contractor powers. <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is a good example uh, from the beginning of the episode. Daniel uh, pre- said, "Like Mike's close, but no cigar predictions." Yeah, perfect. So he didn't build a tool, but he used a tool. Mm. So I think we're just going to leave this one open. You know, yeah. it's a super prediction, by the way. Oh. Um, at some point, yeah. that may that may come true or not. We'll see. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Uh, season five, episode 18, Michael predicted that the Buffy bot will be used as a decoy in a future episode. That definitely happened. And that one, my friend, is also a super prediction. So you're fantastic. fantastic. Such a great moment. Oh, too. man. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Absolutely. I also like it because doing a rewatch, you can see exactly when she does the switch out. But it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, not clear the first yeah. time, you know? She's uh, like, Dennis, is there a reason this ahead. one's in green? Oh, I, I put it in green. Oh, great. I, just make sure. uh, I don't know why I didn't. I don't know why I missed this one. Uh, Michael, season five, episode 18. You predicted that Buffy will sacrifice her life for her friends. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For her friends. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get in a fight. So that's that. confirmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, season five, episode 19. You predicted that Tara will only recover from this brain injury for a moment before dying. Okay, that was the most tragic possible fantasy. Obviously, this is... I mean, that feels like something that Joss Whedon would have written. Completely. (laughs) Completely. I was about to say that. It's a good prediction. It was a solid prediction, but unfortunately, that is denied. Okay. Uh, Season 5, episode 20, you predicted Ben is going to be killed. That has happened. Can't believe we let you do that one again. Double predictions are well-established precedent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Season 5, episode 20. You predicted that Glory will open the portal to her dimension. I think we're assuming that of the many dimensional portals she opened, that one of them was to her own dimension. So we'll go ahead and confirm that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, season five, episode 20, you predicted that Tara will recover from her brain injury. That is also confirmed. Well done. Season five, episode 21, you predicted that the Warlock's box has a mirror in it. I don't think it does. It has books, no mirror. Uh, season five, episode 21, you predicted that the warlock is the one who combined glory and Ben, which I actually really like as headcanon. I don't think that there's any support for it in the text. What do you guys think? I'd give that one a denied. I think it's a denied, but I, it's, it's a, it's a cool thought. I really, I really like that. It's it's not confirmed. It's plausible, but not Mm -hmm. confirmable. Yeah. So should we deny it? I say deny. Yes. Okay. All right. Season five, episode 21, Glory and Ben are going to split into two separate people when the Warlock's box gets destroyed. That did not happen. (laughs) Again, not a bad idea. Didn't happen. Uh, Season five, episode 21, the quote, death is your gift, will be heard again in the next episode. It was. That is Easy street. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, before we end, we want to move to the big one. Yes, we have one big one, which is uh, is a super prediction. At the beginning of the season, Michael stated, and I quote, Buffy doesn't have a sister. Now, Dennis has done some uh, work with the, uh, with the listeners to the podcast on this. Dennis? All right. Um, I asked for, because I knew this was going to be um, something people would feel passionate about. So for folks to uh, just message me on Twitter with their opinion and that we would count it as a vote. Um, and so um, over on Twitter, uh, I'm at I met a Buffy says uh, Buffy's sister was magically created by monks, but ultimately Don is human. Buffy does have a sister. So that's one vote for uh, at Ren and Oz says um, she absolutely has a sister. I don't even see it as a gray area. That's two votes. Uh, Sagov9 um, says, I'm on Dennis's side regarding the Buffy does not have a sister prediction. She does now. An adopted sister, which is clearly the intended metaphor, is still a sister. That is three. 
Um, Andre says, um, in the sense of the prediction, and since we just learned that Don is just a fake construction by the monks, I would say Don can be said uh, to not be Buffy's sister. It doesn't matter that she feels like a sister, etc. The feelings are programmed into Buffy, and she was not conceived naturally. So I would confirm this. So that takes us down to two. Or no, wait, that's, yeah. Yeah, that takes us down to two positive. A well, no, of two th- positive. isn't it like three positive and one against three, yes. four and one against from yeah. our yes. audience? Yes. So who else gets a vote? Does Giles get a vote? <laughs> Giles does not get a vote. Does Buffy get a vote? Because she more or less concedes that she does not have a sister in this episode in the dialogue. She says more than a sister, right? Which doesn't mean not a sister. Mm-hmm. Hmm. She's sister plus. Definitely. <laughs> Super sister. Definitely. Okay. I vote sister for sure. I mean, I also vote sister, but. And I vote sister. And I vote sister. Whoa. Uh, cue the theme to sister, sister. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, it's a big old denial, Mike. I think it's denied. I think, you know, the thing is like the, the, uh, the obviously the, the existential question is what's a sister. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, you know, the sister is, you know, your womb mate. Uh, to quote the tag, then, 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 but then, then Dawn is not that, no. but I think that that's a, you know, it's a narrow definition of family that I think has a lot of implications that are, uh, we don't want to be, uh, saddled with. Agreed. So, um, I'm sorry, Michael, that's another super prediction tonight. Uh, I think that this has got to be some kind of record. You've been, uh, we've addressed a ton of predictions here and you have had three super predictions denied. It's a, uh, that's something. So, uh, in total, let's look at the numbers. Uh, Michael, your overall accuracy, uh, has fallen from a 64.6 to a 61.28. So oh, that's not as damaging as I thought. Only 3%. <laughs> yeah. You're still in, you're still in a D territory. Your um, grades are in the danger okay. zone, buddy. Oh my God, we're still using the, the U.S. grade system. John, uh, aren't, you, aren't you using different grade systems? And for, um, for season five, your accuracy has fallen from a 65.96 to a 58.82. Oh. So you've got a big fat F in season five. Wow, that um, is devastating. You were doing so well on season five. This uh, Actually, uh, it's your second worst season now uh after season three great well i have some new predictions to make um first uh we'll never mention giles killing ben again there were no witnesses that's never coming up i object (laughs) i object to this prediction uh because kelly spoiled this in the episode just now and michael i saw you writing it into the document thanks to google docs i had it in in my notebook i have it physically in my notebook though that i wrote i believe i believe mike i I wrote this he was really into this whole Giles killing Ben thing. Like when I watch it with him. Okay. Well, Travis is your witness. I'll accept it. Yeah. He was really into that. <laughs> he needs his proof. <laughs> Giles will not talk about killing Ben. Here it's an open. Oh, you no could have witnesses. written that during the bathroom break. Oh, no, dude. No, uh, way. no, I was watching. Nobody was in the room. So. <laughs> all right fine you can delete that one no we'll keep it we'll keep it because you, you, travis is your character witness and, and he's a doctor so we obviously uh he can witness for yeah. you. 
Uh, we know his word counts more with authorities. Season six, episode one, end of the episode, Buffy gets brought back to life. Somehow, she returns to life. Brought back, maybe that's the wrong term to use, uh, is alive. We'll just say Buffy is alive. I've got to be very careful about the wording here. No one brought her back. She just appeared. <laughs> Buffy is alive. Season six, episode one opens with Xander and Anya getting married. Wedding toast at the wedding remembers Buffy. Aww. Faith is not invited to Xander and Anya's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just mispronounce Xander's name? What? Did I? Uh, I thought I heard you say Xanier. Mm, Xanier. Uh, Xander, Anya. Uh, Willow will talk to Buffy's grave. It's just a fun moment. That's the only way to talk to someone who's dead in a TV show is to talk to their grave. So that's got to happen. Buffy bot will return. Someone will take revenge on Glory's behalf. Super prediction, obviously, is the never mentioning Giles. Just kidding. Uh, super <laughs> prediction is uh, end of the episode. Buffy is alive. So that's a super. She's got to come back. Okay. It is so recorded. I think that is the episode, guys. It was a long one, but we but we accomplished a lot. Uh, so before I talk about myself for a second, Kelly, where can people find you? Oh, yes. So I am a co-host of the Nevers podcast with Dennis. I also do writing for the website. Recently, I just released a piece on Sidekicks. So I definitely recommend folks checking that out. And I believe the website is hbothenevers.com. So check that out. Yep. And then my other project, Spinsters of Horror, is spinstersofhorror.com. I do writing for that. There's the podcast. It's kind of a multimedia type project. So please take a look at that. Both projects are on the internet somewhere, on social media. So um, I'm sure maybe they'll they'll link some of this stuff for you. And then me personally, yep. might as well put my Twitter out there, and it's K Gredner. So at K Gredner. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I have been uh, Dennis St. John. Uh, one of the things I've been working on that you guys can now watch is the animated series Snoopy in Space. If uh, you are on the Apple TV Plus, you can check that out, um, and you can find... Uh, my comics like Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales, the Monster Club comics on DennisComics.com. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. And that is also my Twitter and my Instagram. Thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Uh, you can visit our website, BuffyVirgin.com, for links to our blog, our YouTube, our Twitter, and our Instagram. Uh, reach out. We love to hear from you. Uh, if you write us notes, we will read them online probably. Uh, and don't forget to rate us and review us on the podcast listener of your choice. And we'll see you in hell. Bye.